is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It is Wednesday, the 31st day of January, 2024. Glad to have you with us. Um, yeah, last day of January. Uh, tomorrow is not January 32nd. Yeah, tomorrow is February 1st. Man, the year is already, I mean, we're only a month into it, I know. We're still 11 months to go, but it just seems like it's flying by. Um, in the, the midst of an election cycle, and haven't heard much from Nikki Haley in a while. <laughs> I, I think uh, with all of her backers financially backing out, she is learning that uh, she really doesn't have a cam have a campaign anymore. As a lot of the financial backers said, no, nah, she's got no chance. I'm not going to throw good money after bad. And uh, so I'm sure she'll pop up here occasionally, but uh, her, her chances are so low. I'm just not seeing anything happening there. All right. Oh, it is Wednesday. I got youth group tonight. Looking forward to that. Hanging out with the kids. We are memorizing a passage from Ephesians. We, we memorized Psalm 1 in the fall, and now we're memorizing a passage from Ephesians chapter 2 um, in, uh, here in the spring, as well as continuing our Bible study in Acts and playing silly games and eating good food and just hanging out and having fun. That is tonight. I always look forward to Wednesdays. And then uh, just a quick reminder again that I will not be here on Friday because Friday and Saturday and Sunday is the winter retreat up at Camp Upmost. And so I will be up there once again hanging out with the kids. Um, I will be a cabin counselor. Yeah. And uh, just having a good time. So that reminds me, I got to dig out my sleeping bag. <laughs> I got a pack. <laughs> Time is getting short. Uh, uh, so that's, that's, but I, I have no teaching responsibilities this year beyond doing uh, cabin devotionals. So that won't be a problem. Um, I just get to kick back and, and uh, relax and enjoy time with the kids and be available if they need to talk to something and, and, you know, uh, determined to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified and share the gospel and you know, hope that uh, we reach the lost and teach the found. Um, and uh, I, I, I looked at the poster, I think, is it Gideon? Who are we? Now I got to look. I got, and uh, stand by. I'm going to pull up the Camp Upmost website and see what our... Um, theme is <laughs> for the weekend. This is one of those things that, you know, you should really kind of know what your theme is going into this. So here we go. Uh, 
pull up that. Events. Winter Youth Retreat. All right. Encounter God with Gideon. Yep, God's plan to carry us through the impossible with his limitless power. That's the, uh, the theme for this year's winter retreat. Um, but that starts on Friday. Um, Friday afternoon, but I won't be here Friday morning because I'm about to spend three days with teenagers and I want to sleep in. So <laughs> I want to be well rested when I get up there on Friday so as not to uh, uh, fall prey to uh, highly energetic teenagers. <laughs> so no squirrel chatter on Friday. What is squirrel chatter, you ask? <laughs> squirrel chatter is a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to, I guarantee it. Oh, good to have you with us. Uh, what do we got today? We got scripture readings from the Legacy Standard Bible Prayers from the Book of Common Prayer, a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and our study Bible-level Bible study continues. We are in Deuteronomy 27 today. So that is where we're going with that. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, our prayer for the reading of the word will be in just a moment. Excuse me, I will be right back. Of course there's bad churches. Um, then go find a good one. And if you have to drive to get to it, then it's worth the drive, I would say. You know? So get in your car and go. I mean, how bad do you want it? I mean, how important is the truth to you? And I am back. Thank you, Dr. Lawson, for filling that few minutes of airtime. All right, our prayer for the reading of the Word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy Word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. 
Our scripture reading today is Genesis 36 and Psalm 36. So Genesis chapter 36. Now these are the generations of Esau, that is, Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Oholibamah, the daughter of Anna, and the granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite, and also Basimath, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Nebaioth. And Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basimath bore Ruel, and Oholibamah bore Jeush and Jalem and Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all his household and his livestock and all his cattle and all his acquired goods, which he had accumulated in the land of Canaan. And he went to the, a land away from his brother Jacob, for their possessions had become too great for them to live together. And the land where their sojourn could not sustain them because of their livestock. So Esau lived in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. These then are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Ada. Ruel, the son of Esau's wife, Basimath. The sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Timnah was a concubine of Esau's son Eliphaz, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Esau's wife Ada. These are the sons of Reuel. It's R E U E L. Reuel. Reuel. Nahath and Zerah. Shammah and Mizah. These are the sons of Esau's wife Basimath. These were the sons of Esau's wife, Ohelibamah, the daughter of Anna and the granddaughter of Zibion. She bore to Esau Jeush and Jalem and Korah. These are the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, are Chief Teman, Chief Omar, Chief Zepho, Chief Canaz, Chief Korah, Chief Gatim, Chief Amalek, these are the chiefs descended from Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Ada. These are the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, chief Nahath, chief Zerah, chief Shammah, chief Mizah. These are the chiefs descended from Ruel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Basimath. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Ohalibamah, chief Jeush, chief Jalem, chief Korah. These are the chiefs descended from Esau's wife, Oholibamah, the daughter of Anna. These are the sons of Esau, that is, Edom, and these are their chiefs. These are the sons of Seir the Horite, the inhabitants of the land, Lotan and Shebal and Zibion and Anna, and Dishon and Ezer and Dishan. These are the chiefs descended from the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Haman, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. These are the sons of Shobal, Alvan and Manahath and Ebal, Shepho and Onam. 
These are the sons of Zibion. Ahiah and Anahi is the, is the Anna who found the hot springs in the wilderness when he was pasturing the donkeys of his father Zibion. These are the children of Anna. Dishon and Oholibamah, the daughter of Anna. These are the sons of Dishon. Himdan and Eshban and Ithran and Karan. These are the sons of Ezer. Excuse me. These are the sons of Ezer. Bilhan and Zaavan and Achan. These are the sons of Dishan, Uz and Aaron. These are the chiefs of the Horites. Chief Lotan, Chief Shobal, Chief Zibion, Chief Anna, Chief Dishan, Chief Ezer, Chief Dishan. These are the chiefs descending from the Horites, according to their various chiefs in the land of Seir. By the way, if you're expecting a baby, you know, Genesis 36 might be a place to look for names. I wouldn't say use those names, but you could look there. Continuing in verse 31. Now these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king of the sons of Israel reigned. And Bela the son of Baor became king in Edom, and the name of his city was Dinhabah. Then Bela died, and Jobab the son of Zerah of Basra became king in his place. Then Jobab died, and Husham of the land of the Temanites became king in his place. Then Husham died, and Hadad the son of Bedad who struck down Midian in the field of Moab, became king in his place, and the name of his city was Avith. Then Hadad died, and Shamla of Meshrekha became king in his place. Then Shamla died, and Shaul of Rehoboth on the river became king in his place. Then Shaul died, and Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, became king in his place. Then Baal Hanan, the son of Achor, died, and Hadar became king in his place. And the name of his city was Pau, and his wife's name was Mehatabal, the daughter of Matrid, daughter of Mezahab. Now these are the names of the chiefs descended from Esau according to their families and their places by their names, Chief Timna, Chief Alva, Chief Jetha, Chief Oholibamah, Chief Elah, Chief Pinon, Chief Kenez, Chief Taman, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdiel, Chief Imram. These are the chiefs of Eden, that is Esau, the father of the Edomites, according to their places of habitation in the land of their possession. And now Psalm 36. For the choir director of the servant of Yahweh of David. Transgression declares to the ungodly within his heart. There is no dread of God before his eyes, for it flatters him in his eyes, for one to discover his iniquity and hate it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to consider to do good. He devises wickedness upon his bed, He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Your loving kindness, O Yahweh, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. O Yahweh, you save man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, 
and the sons of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are satisfied from the richness of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me, and let not the hand of the ungodly drive me away. There are workers of wickedness, there the workers of wickedness have fallen. They have been thrust down and cannot rise. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Uh, today's devotional is The Narrow Gate, Part 1. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Dr. MacArthur writes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount has been headed toward the appeal found in these two verses. Here is his call to people to make a decision about becoming a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and inheriting eternal life, or remaining a citizen of this fallen world and receiving damnation. Every person eventually comes to this crossroads in life, where he'll need to decide on which gate to enter and which way to follow. Enter is in a mood that demands a definite and specific action. Jesus pleads for people to enter the narrow gate, God's gate, the only gate that leads to life and to heaven. Throughout the sermon, Jesus had contrasted the narrowness of God's internal standing of, standard of righteousness to the broad and external standards of Jewish tradition. The path to that narrow way of kingdom living is through the narrow gate of the king himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me comes to the Father but through me, John 14, 6. We proclaim a narrow gospel because that is the only gospel God has given, and therefore the only gospel there is. Make sure you are proclaiming to others the narrow gospel God has given us. Ask yourself, we needn't apologize that the way, of Christ is, the way to Christ is narrow and exclusive, for if it weren't for this narrow way, there would be no way. Try to avoid presenting the gospel to others in an apologetic manner, one that accommodates more human choice and preference than God's word allows. Invite them to the true gospel alone, knowing that the Spirit of God will draw others only to the truth. All right, this is another good word from Dr. MacArthur. Um, I'm enjoying this devotional. Hope you are too. All right, our study Bible level Bible study. We are moving into Deuteronomy 27. We are beginning, I, I said yesterday, I'd have to look up and count how many addresses. This is the beginning of the fourth address. We have, we have looked at three of Moses' addresses to the people of Israel before they're crossing over into the promised land. This is now the fourth address. And then the fifth address will conclude the book. Um, 
And of course, the, the end of the book says that Moses wrote all these things down and they were put into the Ark of the Covenant with the other books that he had written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So the, the, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the, the book of five parts, uh, this is the, the books of Moses and foundational to all of Scripture, not just to the Old Testament, but everything that began in Genesis is concluded in Revelation. So there is a, there is a continuity between all of Scripture, um, and it's important to remember that. Now we're coming to, um, in chapter 27 and chapter 28, we have the curses and the blessings laid out. And these are the penalties for disobeying the covenant, the rewards for obeying the covenant. And they are prophetic. Because when we get to the end of them, we see that when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the cursing, then you will know that I am God. And that's that's a very important. Let me uh, turn to the end of 28 and find that just to uh, um, show what I'm saying here. Uh, Okay, I didn't mark it, and uh, in the paragraph format, it's hard to find. This is why my preaching Bible is verse by verse, not paragraph by paragraph. But in any case, this is the 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 the, the blessings and the curses, or the curses and the blessings, because the curses come first. These are prophetic. When all these things come upon you, it's not if. You know, there is an if-then. If you disobey, then this will happen. If you obey, this will happen. But it's actually more of a win-win. When you disobey, this will happen. When you obey, then this will happen. Um, and all of these things will happen. <laughs> this is describing the future of Israel from this point on until the King of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, establishes his millennial kingdom. And even then, the blessings will be poured out during that millennial kingdom. We're, we're, all of these things have happened or will happen. Um, it is, as I said, prophetic in that sense. So Moses here is then giving the, the sense of what's going to happen. Now, in the beginning, in, in the first part of chapter 27, Moses outlines a ceremony that the Israelites were to carry out when they finally crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land. So let me read the first paragraph and we'll talk about it. Genesis chapter 27. Then Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep the entire commandment which I am commanding you today, so it will be on the day when you cross the Jordan to the land which Yahweh your God gives you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and coat them with lime, and write on them all the words of this law 
when you cross over, so that you may enter into the land which Yahweh your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as Yahweh the God of your fathers promised you. So it will be when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up on Mount Ebal these stones as I am commanding you today, and you shall coat them with lime. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to Yahweh your God, an altar of stones. You shall not wield an iron tool on them. You shall build the altar of Yahweh your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer on it burnt offerings to Yahweh your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and eat there, and be glad before Yahweh your God. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very distinctly. So he's saying, when you cross the Jordan, build a pillar and plaster it, cover it with white plaster. The, the lime gives it that white color. Cover it with white plaster and, and smooth it out. I mean, that's the, that's the two things are white in color and, and smooth it out. So you've got a stack of stones, a pillar of stones, and then it is covered with plaster. And then the words of the law are written on it. Now, is it just the Ten Commandments? That seems likely. Um, but he does say all the words of the law. So was he expecting them to write on this pillar all of Deuteronomy or all of the Pentateuch? Um, I think it's most likely it was the Ten Commandments. But we don't know for sure. They understood. <laughs> um, and, and indeed, in... Uh, um, Joshua 8, they do this. So um, let's flip over there. It's Joshua 8, 30 and 35. Let's see what, uh, what it says there about how they carried out this. Joshua 8. Pages are sticking together. Joshua 8. There we go. 30 and 30 to 35. Then Joshua built an altar to Yahweh, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of Yahweh, had commanded the sons of Israel, as it is written in the book of the Law of Moses. An altar of uncut stones on which no man had wielded an iron tool, and they offered burnt offerings on it to Yahweh and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there on the stones a copy of the Law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. And all Israel with their elders and officers and their judges were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of Yahweh, the sojourner as well as the native. Half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of Yahweh, had given command at first to bless the people of Israel. Then afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women and the little ones and the sojourners who were going among them. So the blessings and the curses that, that we are about to go through were then read to the Israelites by Joshua at this time. Now, as I said, I'm not sure what all was written on the, the, the altar, um, so, and it seems to be that the, the altar and the pillar are being conflated, that this might have been a single structure, so that they, they built a, 
a stone altar of uncut stone, covered it with white plaster, sacrificed upon it, and then the words of the law were written on it. Um, and that, that may be the case. I'm not sure. It's one of those things, you know, you wish you could, you could go back and watch just to see what happened. That's a, that's a historian's dream. Not to, not to necessarily interfere with history, but just to be able to, to, to watch a replay, you know, like an NFL official. Um, but with much more attention to detail. Uh, <laughs> sorry, didn't need to go there, did I? All right. So they were to build an altar, write on it the law of Moses, and then uh, sacrifice there to Yahweh, and then recite the blessings and the curses. Verse 9, back in Deuteronomy 27. Then Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen, O Israel. This day you have become a people for Yahweh your God. You shall therefore listen to the voice of Yahweh your God and do his commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Moses also commanded the people on that day, saying, When you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the curse, these shall stand on Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levites shall then answer and say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed is the man who makes a graven image or a molten image, an abomination to Yahweh, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So this is a, a curse upon anybody who makes an idol. It's not outlawing statuary. This is outlawing idols. And it says, you know, it doesn't matter if you do it, you know, in, in an inner room of your house where nobody ever sees it but you, it's, an, it's a curse upon the land. And cursed is the man who does this. So these curses, if you notice, are individual. These are curses for the people who di disobey. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Remember, that's a, that's a, uh, that would be theft of property if you move the boundary mark. Cursed is he who leads a blind person astray on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. So this is a curse on those who take advantage of others. Um, for, you know, the, the, you know, mislead a blind person, you know, it could be done for amusement. Um, I, I, I think about some of the videos that I have seen in the last few years of gangs of youth just beating people sometimes to death without any rhyme or reason you'll have some video of some some man or woman walking down the street minding their own business and they're set upon by two or three young thugs who just beat them mercilessly for fun 
that could be what this is referring to. This would also be, you know, leading somebody away so you could rob them or take advantage of them in some way. So, you know, this is a, a protection of the helpless. Cursed is any man who takes takes advantage of someone that he has a physical advantage over, you know, misleading a blind person. Verse 19, cursed is he who perverts the justice to a sojourner, orphan, and widow, and all the people shall say amen. This is, again, taking advantage of someone who has no defense against you. Yeah. Doing something to somebody just because you can for your own gain or, again, for your own amusement. Um, cursed is he who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's skirt and all the people shall say amen. So it's a, a law against adultery and incest. And this would be a case where he's talking about the father's wife. It, it's almost undoubtedly speaking of a stepmother situation, whether it is a polygamous situation where a man has two wives, the son should not take advantage and sleep with the wife, um, or whether it's, you know, it, it, the mother has died and a stepmother has come in, this should not, this should not be. Cursed is the man who does this. Cursed is he who lies with any animal, and all the people shall say amen. I don't think I need to say anything about that. 22. Cursed is he who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say amen. Now this is important to understand. Up until this time, it had not been considered sinful for a man to marry his half-sister. Abraham and Sarah were, were half-siblings. They had the same father and different mothers. Um, and this was not at all a problem. Now, it's a problem. Now it is, it is considered to be sinful. God says don't do it. Um, this is one of those things that I think uh, uh, Ken Ham has brought out very, very well. When you consider the fact that, you know, genetic mutation is a result of the curse, the fall and the curse, Adam and Eve would have been genetically perfect, directly created by God, no defect. Their children would have been pretty darn close to perfect. But with each successive generation, we have become less and less perfect. So that, you know, Abraham marrying his half-sister was not nearly as high a risk of a genetic problem as here some 500 years later, somebody marrying their half-sister. So this was a prohibition that is now here and it carries with it a curse. So cursed is he who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say amen. Verse 24, cursed is he who strikes his neighbor in secret, and all the people shall say amen. So 
these curses come from God. I think we need to understand that. So even if nobody knows, you know, if, if a man kills his neighbor and nobody knows because it was done in secret, the curse is still upon him. Um, this is one of those things about, you know, yes, law enforcement should solve the cases they can solve. But if a case goes unsolved, it doesn't go unpunished because the judge of all the earth knows and sees and, and will do what is right. Um, nobody escapes God's justice. No one escapes God's justice. Verse 25. Cursed is he who takes a bribe to strike down innocent blood, and all the people shall say amen. This is murder for hire. Yeah. Don't be a hitman. <laughs> it is not an acceptable career choice under God. Verse 26. Cursed is he who does not conform to the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say amen. So here we have curses directed at individuals in the land for disobeying the law and a list of certain things. Um, and all of these things, we could I, I, I could have done that. We could have gone through and related each of these to one of the commandments from the Ten Commandments because every one of them has, has a corresponding commandment. And so the, these commandments are, you know, dealing with Israel's life in the land and that they would have no no escape from God's justice. We'll just we'll just continue with that phrase because that sums it up well. All right, next week we will look at chapter 28 and that's going to take a little bit longer the the blessings and the cursings and the prophetic nature of them. It's going to be a uh, uh, uh an interesting time. I'm looking forward to it. The, these blessings and cursings in these last few chapters of Deuteronomy have long held great interest for me. And so we will be, I'm, I'm looking forward to going through them with you. I hope you're looking forward to it as well. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the fourth Sunday of Epiphany. O God, you know that we are set in the midst of many grave dangers, and because of the frailty of our nature, we cannot always stand upright. Grant that your strength and protection may support us in all dangers and carry us through every temptation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Colic for Grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. 
Defend us by your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that, guided by your Spirit, we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Hope you have a great Wednesday. Once again, I want to remind you, I will not be here on Friday. So tomorrow will be the last Squirrel Chatter of the week. It is Thursday. It'll be the Theology Thursday. We'll be back in the 1689 looking at the current chapter, which I can't remember what is without looking at my notes for tomorrow. But that'll be tomorrow. All right. Um, pray for us tonight at Youth Group. If your church has Wednesday night services, go. It's important. Um, we don't have a Wednesday night service, but we do have youth group, and I will be there, and and uh, and and enjoying the time with the with the youth. Um, I miss Wednesday night services. We used to have when I was a kid, and and understand the the church where I now serve as elder is uh, was my church's a high school student. And um, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Um, youth group was Thursday night, and which always bugged me because Thursday night was Magnum P.I. and Simon and Simon. So I, and, and this was before we didn't have a VCR. Um, so this was a, a case of, uh, you know, I'd have to catch it on the rerun in the summer because youth group didn't meet in the summer. So I would always, you know, Magnum P.I. and Simon and Simon were Thursday nights, and I didn't always get to watch them because of youth group. Um, but we had Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, Wednesday evening service, and then youth group on Thursdays um, and other things throughout the week that, you know, I paid no attention to because they didn't affect a, a young teenage boy. Um, you know, the, the adult men studies, adult women's studies. I seem to remember we had something going on at the church most nights of the week, um, either at, in the evening or in the daytime. There's Awana's Tuesday nights. We got youth group, you know, youth, this year youth groups on Wednesday nights, but, uh, you know, I, I just remember, and, and we were, you know, dad was music minister there and, uh, we were heavily involved in the church. And, and so we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. Um, Wednesday night was always a fellowship meal and a Bible study. Um, it wasn't really a, a service. Um, it was a, a fellowship meal and, and Bible study, um, and, and that was a, 
that was a good th good thing to do. I'd I'd love to see us get back to something like that. Um, but it's it's difficult to get people to commit to things anymore. Uh, we've gotten so many more options of things to do. I think um, a lot of times, I mean, you have people who participate because they love the Lord and they want to study his word and they want to be with his saints. And that's that's always been true. But you also had people who participated in these things because there wasn't really anything else to do. Um, small town in western Montana, no internet, none of that. Um, you know, we had three TV networks. Actually, we, we only had two channels. We only had two channels. Um, we had one channel that had the... Uh, um, one channel was the, the CBS channel. The other channel was the NBC channel. And they shared the ABC programming. So it was, it was kind of weird. One would have one ABC show. The other one would have another ABC show. And they would be at weird hours. Um, but one was the CBS. They would play the CBS primetime. And and then the ABC shows that they had might air later in the night. Or I mean, it, it was it was weird, but it worked. Um, and I'm sure we didn't get all of the ABC shows. <laughs> Um, but Hey, we got wide world of sports on Saturdays. That was the main thing, right? The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, bum, 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 spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. Oh man. What a show. I, I miss things like that. Um, and the pro bowlers tour, that was another thing we would watch on Saturdays, <laughs> which tells you how, how, uh, how little there was to do. <laughs> that we would watch the Pro Bowlers tour. I just remember Saturday afternoons, Dad and I would always have, you know, I would help him with chores in the morning and, and in some sort of project or anything. Saturday afternoons during college football season was college football. But during, you know, when college football wasn't on, Saturday afternoons were, um, as in, you know, wide world of sports and, and, Things I just remember sitting with dad, watching TV and talking about stuff. And these are shows you could talk over. You know, how many times can you watch people ski down a hill in Switzerland during a ski race on Wide World of Sports? And, and you know, I mean, somebody wiped out or something. You Oh, look at that. But you could sit and talk over it. And so that, these were some of the times when dad and I would just have great conversations about life, theology, uh, you know, politics, yeah, you know, just you know, it, it was a time of him imparting his wisdom to me, and what I wouldn't give for another afternoon like that. What what I wouldn't give to to have Saturday afternoon roll around and be able to walk into the family room and sit on a couch next to dad's recliner and talk during a football game or during a, you know, oh, and, and in the fall, afternoons by the chopping block. We heated with wood. And so dad and I would split wood together, taking turns with the ax. One would split, the other would, would stack, and we'd switch off. 
and uh, so you'd get sore with a different set of muscles. And I just, you know, it was such a such a good time. I'm thinking, you know, high school years when I was big enough to do the work. When I was younger, he did all the splitting and I did the stacking. But as we got older, we would switch off. And I just, the, those afternoons of just talking around the chopping block. Because we talk about world events. We talk about politics. We talk about scripture and theology and, and philosophy. He would, he would impart to me his, his you know, business acumen because he was a fabulous businessman. And so he would teach me about, you know, things like that. We'd just talk about what was going on in school. He would correct erroneous things I'd been learning. Or I'd go off on some, you know, futuristic thing, <laughs> telling him about some of the stuff that I was reading, because I'm, I'm then and now very much into not only science fiction, but futurism and, you know, space travel and technology and stuff like that. Always been fascinated by that. Um, Going to do a Monday meandering on that fairly soon, because I've got some stuff I want to say. But... You know, we we would talk. I remember telling Dad, is uh, you know, it's the early '80s, and I had I I was taking computer science at high school, and we had three TRS-80 Model Threes and five TRS-80 Model Fours lined up along the back wall of the German classroom, because Herr Funkhauser was the teacher of both German and computer science. Um, in fact, I took German because he gave a preference to his German students to take computer science. So I took German to get on his good side so I could get into the computer science class because the space was limited. Um, but like I said, we only had eight computers. And, uh, and so they were lined up along the back of the classroom, along the sides in the back. And computer science, I mean, he'd be teaching German and computer science students would be in there on their study hall working on the computers um, because you, you used whatever time you had, right? Um, and, and I remember telling dad that the time was coming when everybody would have a computer. Every house would have a computer. I wasn't seeing, you know, laptops and iPads. That was, that was not even in our, in our minds. And smartphones were, were not even a thing, but that every house would have a computer and that they would all be hooked together and you would be able to access libraries. And, and I, I didn't say they would be hooked together, but they'd all be hooked into, you know, You'd be able to go get libraries and stuff like that. So much of what we have now. And dad was like, I'll never have a computer. Yeah, he did. Um, there were, there were uh, a couple of computers in the house when dad passed away. Um, and dad would use, you know, now I will be honest, most of the time when I saw dad sitting at a computer, he was playing duck hunt. Um, but, you know, he was not as intimidated by a computer. And my mom had a computer before I graduated from high school. 
she had gotten a, an IBM PC-AT with a one megabyte hard drive. Oh, that was huge. I don't remember, probably like 32, 32 kilobytes of RAM, maybe. Maybe 64 kilobytes of RAM, 128 maybe. Kilobytes, kilobytes of RAM. And it had a one megabyte hard drive. And I remember telling her that was huge. She'd never fill it up. But she got a computer to to uh, do the books for Dad's construction company on, and uh, but I mean, just those afternoons were just incredibly fun. Take take advantage of that. Think about these things while they're going on, because like I say, I would I would give a great deal to have an afternoon with Dad at the chopping block splitting wood. He's been gone now since 2005, and you know what? I I I miss our times together. Oh, we used to laugh. We would laugh. We would we would set each other off, and our our humor would feed on each other. And I remember mom and my sisters, and later my wife and my daughter, um, all sitting around the table with mom and dad, and dad and I would be going off on something. And we'd both be laughing so hard we couldn't breathe. And 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 actually laughing so hard no sound comes out, you know, because <laughs> you're out of air and you just keep laughing. And we would set each other up, set each other off. And I remember the the women in our lives just looking at us and shaking their heads and looking at each other and shrugging. But but dad and I, our senses of humor would just click and oh it was fun. I miss that laughter. I miss those times together. Um, enjoy them while you can. Enjoy them while you can. Whichever end of it you are, I, I need to spend more time with my daughter and granddaughter. Um, I know that. Um, so, all of that to say, have a fabulous Wednesday. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. I'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Shatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.